Welcome back, everybody, to the Precision Unloaded podcast. You're once again joined by your regular hosts, Mark and Graham. Hello, Mark. Hello, Graham. How are you, buddy? Good. Yep. Good. Had a big, big day. What, what chasing sheep and moving cows? Yeah, the three Ds. The three Ds: dagging, drenching, and dipping. Great. Loved it. <laughs> and welcome to Stuart, all the way from Australia. How are you, Stuart? I'm good, mate. So Stuart come over recently uh, to shoot the Tirada practical teams and individual rifle matches, so uh, we thought we'd have a bit of a yarn to him about a few things, um, and then in a, probably next week we're going to get his brother on, who uh, does a lot of uh, YouTube uh, hunting videos and such, which Stuart's involved in too, but this episode is more about um, the recent matches he shot in New Zealand and, and stuff like that, so welcome to the show, Stuart. Um Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's mate. This is a you're pretty lucky to get a slot on this podcast. It's um, yeah. I, I was uh, sort of just thinking, like the last one I listened to when you had Collie, who's you know currently the number one PRS shooter in the Southern Hemisphere, and now you've just got some Australian. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, that's a some pretty Australian. Diverse, uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty diverse. <laughs> Guess you have on your podcast. So to, to be honest, to be we struggle to get Australians since Mark offended them all a few about six months yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay, stop bringing that up. Stop bringing it up. No, I will not. Um, okay. Yeah, I, okay. I, I, did, I did notice the uh, comment thread on that Facebook post the other night. I really we, we do it. <clears throat> Me and some friends have a running joke uh, about the Southern Hemisphere thing because oh, that's the biggest in Southern Hemisphere. Well, that's the largest in Southern Hemisphere because there's not much down here, so it's pretty easy to be. The biggest or best? Is, no, no, yeah. Is Australia yeah, the southern, southern hemisphere? Yeah, well, it's Australia, South America, yeah. Mo- mostly third world countries, and a big desert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. including us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the, uh... Well, we're we're sort of new Puerto Rico. Australia's source of cheap labour. So. That's true. I'm wondering whether <laughs> I, I'm going to note that, but I won't edit it out. It's not too bad. Um, good, good. <laughs> Yay! Finally, something <laughs> made it in. So we met. Um, so how we met Stuart um, is we uh, travelled over to Victoria to Buckham, a little place called Buckham, about six months ago for um, the gun sport trading. Uh, Winter Classic PRS match, and I remember the name of it because I have a gun sport trading bar mat that Mark stole from the pub in Buckham, and it's on my bench here. <laughs> <laughs> he just walks out of the pub and then knows, like, look what I got. Anyway, um, uh, and so we, we um, it was a gift from who the <laughs> maitre d? <I'd... laughs> you gifted it to yourself. Okay, um, and so how we actually, we're at the pub on the Thursday night and I overheard um, Rusty and all that were there and, and Stuart was there, we didn't know him at this point and we overheard him talking about um, his 50 cal desert tech and some, some videos, so I started talking to him because I I recognised um, the videos, I'd watched them online previously so we started, started yarning and then the um, uh, following day we were squatted up together at the uh, which was to be honest was hard not to be. I think there's only three squads at Buckham. Yeah, and even if you weren't squatted together, you were essentially mushed in together anyway with the other squads at such a small range. So, um, 
so yeah, so that's that's how we met, and um, then had a few nights um, at, at the Buckham Pub, and went did some thermal hunting, uh, which was cool. Um, all the random weird animals that you got in Australia that we don't normally get to see. Uh, <laughs> well, because we we actually went out, we've covered it ages ago, but we went out looking for foxes, and we only we seen one right at the end of the night, but we're driving home sort of thing. But um, excuse me, did you get to go and see all the sights and scenery of Buckham. Well, we actually went. There's like some little camp reserve behind town. We went up there where there was a heap of kangaroos or wallabies or something. And that was about the... Behind the pub, that was the second best thing to do in Buckham. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, anyway, and then um, as <clears throat> we sort of kept chatting afterwards and Stuart come over and to shoot the uh, uh, Tarata Practical Rifle Teams and individual events and brought his brother along and... Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about all of that. So um, let me just find my list. So so anyway, Stuart, more importantly, we should probably introduce you a bit better. How did you get into shooting and what shooting do you primarily do? So I more or less grew up with shooting. So I grew up in a small rural town in East Gippsland, Victoria. So from where, where I'm from, sort of shooting's just common practice for everyone all the farmers own rifles everyone hunts or controls pests or any of that sort of thing so it's sort of from basically as long as i can remember i can remember going out spotlighting and then you know as soon as you turn 12 you can get your juniors permit over here and then started hunting and basically just going on from there so predominantly more than anything i'd probably go out shooting foxes and rabbits mostly with thermal now um, try to get out deer hunting as much as I can, but sort of a bit hard to slot in the time for that compared to thermaling. But um, yeah, that's that's the large from it. It's basically just grew so. Up are you doing it. that recreationally or or as a pest control thing as well, or you know? Uh, um, currently, just recreationally. Um, me and my buddy Luke, yeah. who do most of the thermal shooting with, we have started looking into. The possibility of doing it as a um, meat shooter, so for macropods, which is kangaroos, um, just trying to weigh up whether it's actually viable financially to go down that path. And yeah, that is something that we're in the process of looking into. But um, if we're trying to do it professionally as such, off the fox and wild dog bounties, the business would be running at a pretty serious loss at the moment. Kind of, kind of <laughs> like your, kind of like your your farm, Mark, with its shooting. Exp- Ex- yeah, yeah, I know. It's always great when you when you turn a hobby into a thing. I can probably make money out of this, and you go, uh, "No, I can't." <laughs> yeah. So, so with the, obviously this is this podcast revolves around sort of um, precision and longer range. So, you started shooting a bit of distance just to um, be able to. So, for us, long range shooting sort of came out of necessity. So. The rifle that got us into it, um, my brother Tony used to have a 220 Swift. So that was our predominant fox rifle. And that was basically yes. when sheep were lambing. <laughs> um, you know, if you were going around spotlighting with mum and you saw a fox on a hill way out over in the distance and you couldn't set, you couldn't shoot it, mum didn't particularly like that. So <laughs> we basically got into long-range shooting for one to keep mum happy. And then from there, after Tony started filming deer hunts and, um, yeah, hunting of Samba and Fallow, it's easy to get good footage from a distance rather than in close. So it sort of grew from that as well. You know, if you could 
see a deer clearly at 400 meters and went oh this footage is fantastic why would we risk going in and spooking it when you could just shoot it from here so it basically came out of necessity and then sort of stemmed from there as a side interest of just the general hunting and shooting so so where we so went back in, to in victoria that that rolling sort of what would be bigger hills for australia i'm assuming is that the sort of area you've always hunted very similar yes so where we grew up is probably a bit less vegetation vegetation like it's more sort of open open a farmland but yes yeah, still very much rolling hills and bits of scattered fringe country in amongst it yeah so that that being able to shoot four or five hundred meters and that sort of terrain is um yeah, yeah. Like a, a lot of the properties we hunt the year on like 400 meters will be a short shot yeah or the expected distance i suppose you'd probably put it um you know we try not to get sucked in too much into deliberately shooting further because as you know that's when things can go wrong but mm-hmm. it, you know if you're comfortable at shooting at 800 meters then suddenly 400 500 seems easy so yeah <clears throat> just back to the 220 swift oh no so, um, <laughs> <laughs> i might have just come across one um so did you shoot the barrel out of it or did it just wear out or uh, what do you we, think of it um, <laughs> The reason we got away from the 220 was partly it was probably getting towards the end of its barrel life and the other part yeah. was getting difficult to source either components or ammunition. So we were yeah. handloading for it. I think we were getting uh, maybe four shots per case. So this is before access to annealers or anything like that. So your case life, yeah. case life was non-existent. Um, cases were getting very hard to get. And yeah. then sort of once we you know, started to work out the ranging dialing side of things, it became less less of an advantage to run it over a 223, which is, oh, like, yeah, the rifles we yeah. really use for fox shooting now. So the the benefits of being able to just point and shoot and know you were going to be in the middle of a fox was outweighed by just having better equipment or being better set up. Would you say yeah, I did. it's a bad decision to get a 220 nowadays? I I wouldn't say it's a bad decision because I really love that rifle. Like of all the rifles we've ever had and gotten rid of, that's probably the one that I kind of wish we still had. (laughs) But that being said, if we still had it, I don't know how much I'd use it. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) You're probably too young for it, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, like we would have, maybe like 15, 16 back then. Like, you know, we, we were like still just teenagers. So, yeah. And the volume that we were shooting back then was, um, yeah, it was being a broke teenager, it was hard to finance. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving on from the uh, cutting yes, edge technologies of 220 Swift <laughs> to, to your desert tech. So, how did, you, how did you come across the 50 cal? Because that's an interesting story in itself, because uh, the barrel's a bit different. Do you want to just cover that all? So, my HTI, so, uh, <coughs> For those that don't know, it's a Desertech HTI. It's got a 20-inch carbon wrap barrel on it, so and a shortened handguard. <laughs> so it is, it is obscenely short. It's completely ridiculous, impractical. It's yeah. It doesn't so if anyone's make seen any my sense, HTI, very cool. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone's seen the yes. the Desertech we've got the 50, it's a 29-inch barrel, which doesn't poke out far. So yeah. Anyway, so your one. 
uh, must look diabolical as if it's missing a barrel, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I'll have to send Graham through some photos, but yeah, for the, for those of you that saw my uh, SRS up at Bucken for the Gunsport Winter Classic, it's effectively the same length as my SRS with a three hundred eight barrel. Yeah. Except in uh, 50 BMG, so it's, oh, wow! It, it is it's absurd. Like when you shoot on last light, it's just like there's a firework going off with the amount of muzzle blast and that. <laughs> but um, how it came about? So I've yes, got a couple of mates who also own Desert Techs. So like they both got their SRSs and HTIs, and they both bought HTIs originally originally in 375 Shaytac, and yep. then they both decided they want to get the 50 cal barrels as well. And when they bought them, and Sort of, yeah. They told me about. It. I was like, oh, I've I've got to have one too. Then, so I started sort of lurking on used guns and looking. I was originally looking at buying one brand new, and then one morning I happened to look on used guns, and there was this short one listed up. And I'm going, oh, that that is ridiculous. Like that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. So I called the bloke up and paid for it that morning immediately. And uh, so the guy that owned it, he was a as the story goes from the um, transferring dealer, he was about 75 years old, I think, from memory, and he must have owned several hundred firearms away, described it, and he just built that because he thought it was cool. Um, And he reckoned he only ever fired about 10 rounds out of it. So it was more or less brand new with this, yeah, over-the-top, yeah, short and carbon rack barrel for no particular good reason. But, yeah, it's... (laughs) It's one of those rifles when you pull it out and show people, they just go, that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen, but it is so cool. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't have, obviously, it didn't still have the original barrel, so, yeah. No, no, so it, it yeah. is the original barrel. It's just been shortened and then, ah. um, yeah, wrapped over. Oh, they over. actually did oh, carbon wrap it. Right. Yep, so they yep. wrapped over the fluting. They didn't. They did tell me the name of the gunsmith that did it, but I honestly can't remember off the top of my head. I'd have to go through my files. So it's got the original break on the front still then? I think it's the original break. It's a five-port, which I was under the impression that all Desert Techs were four-ports, so I honestly don't know. It's um, very similar design, so it's either an older model yep. where they used to do a five-port or someone's done a very good job copying them. Yeah. But, but yeah, we are. Yeah, so you've, and you've, put a, you've put a few rounds through it? Yeah, I've put close to 100 rounds through it now. Um, yep. Mostly just shooting targets and letting other people have a shot of it because that's I sort of find that just as much fun watching other people shoot it and either having a massive yeah. flinch or smiles on their face after they shoot it um, <laughs> speaking of shooting it there will be another video coming out with it soon that has been highly requested so <laughs> excellent for people that want to see more of it keep an eye on Tony's page I'm sure someone will find it interesting yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, that's good. But yeah, that's what I want to know about. It's uh, yeah, it's basically just a fun range toy. I'm, I'm not gonna well, lie, um, I wouldn't want to shoot it. Having shot a few fifties, it's not that bad if you got good eye pro on. Like, um, <laughs> it, it, like the, the concussion from it gets you more than anything else. Like yeah. the recoil is not that much worse than the standard HTIs. No, but the yeah. uh even just wearing regular um, close-fitting safety glasses, it still clears your sinuses out and all that. So, uh, of all things, I've been wearing pit viper safety glasses <laughs> because they cover most of your face and you actually don't get any concussion. So, you, you look kind of ridiculous, but mm-hmm. they work really good. So, yeah. 
<laughs> Why have I never done that? Warm pit vipers. Oh, you warm safety glasses when I shoot it. I'll get you some pit vipers, Mark, okay? No, that's fine. I don't know what you're talking about. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. So so you ended up getting the SRS, SRS, sorry, um, yep. after getting the 50? No, I had the SRS first. Okay, sorry, yeah. So the SRS, I bought that off um, one of the two mates that own all the other Desert Tech. So... Yeah, how the Desert Tech craze came around between the three of us. So my mate Paul bought this SRS secondhand, um, and then after he got it, the other mate Ian handled it and went, "Oh, I've got to have one of them." And then Paul decided he also had to have a new one because Ian was getting a new one. So they bought both bought the um, SRS A two brand mm-hmm. new and about twenty other barrels. Like their their collection of Desert Tech changed over parts is pretty obscene. Yeah. And um, then there was one day where I went out for a shot with him and Paul took his old one out and sort of gave me a bit of a look at it and said, oh, I said to him, well, if you're getting the new one, what are you doing with this? Because as soon as I shot it, I sort of instantly fell in love with it and decided I had to have it and get rid of my old 338 and 308 and replace them with that. So we, and then he sort of said, well, I don't really need it anymore, so you can buy it if you want. So that's how it came about. And cool. uh, yeah, I've basically been hooked on the bullpup Desert Tech front ever since then. Sweet. And 308, eh? Not 65 Creedmoor. Weird. Uh, so the 308 barrel was already in it. Because mine is one of the really early generations, they're not forward compatible with the um, newer models, but you can put the new barrels in the old model. Oh, okay. So yeah. it, it came with the 308 barrel, and then I bought the 338 Lapua barrel. Yep. Which 90% of the time it's in 338 Lapua. Um, for samba hunting and then yeah if I'm going plinking or hog deer hunting or fallow hunting I might put the 308 barrel back in yep yep ah that's something I didn't know I didn't yeah so it actually spends most of its time in the 338 guys yep okay yep um same optic yep yeah I just uh yep have a cheat sheet of all my different uh, turret, you know, turret settings, and on the ZCO they're really easy to, like when you move the turret, that just resets your zero stop, so you don't need to pull turret caps off or anything. So it, yeah, streamlines all that, and yeah, I've never Sweet. had any issues with losing zero or anything. So you can just jump between calibers, or well, not that I do it too often, but you know, you can do it and rely on it to be within you know point one or less so you basically don't need to worry about double checking zeros so ah, it's working really good there you go desert tech tomorrow's weapons visit alan knams to <laughs> source yours now <laughs> and 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 the gun rack our official podcast sponsor while well, we're well, we're doing a forced ad break um <laughs> <laughs> so um oh that's gonna get deleted it's gonna get deleted no nah, i'll leave it in there because jeff will laugh um <laughs> thank you so your closest uh club is or range i should say is, is buckham correct where we met you correct yes so, yep, so you shoot nrl 22 matches there don't you yes yeah so they've been running nrl 22 up there for I think this might be the 12th one. I think the first one was held December last year. And I think the first one I went to was January or February. Um, so, yeah, they've 
few of the local boys, I believe it was Matt Bishop, Andrew Lind, Matt Cunningham. I think Dave Taylor helped a fair bit with um, setting up. Mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll have to double check with everyone because I don't know for sure that my info is correct there, but I know there was a mix of them and a few others that um, jumped through all the hoops to get it set up. Yep. Um, but anyway, so they got all set up with NRL 22 as an um, associated club and then created the Buck and Precision Rifle Club. And then, yeah, every month since I've been hosting the NRL 22 matches, which they've been steadily growing and having good turnouts and a lot of shootings, shooters getting involved. So, no, it's been really good. That's pretty cool. I um, so And and now you're moving to also shoot both NRL 22 and PRS 22, is that correct? Yes, correct. So there was also talk about doing Centrefire PRS club matches, but I'm not sure how much further that's come along. Mm-hmm. I think I was a little bit worried about how many people are going to consistently go out every month and burn through our ammo, but... We'll see what happens this year, and yeah, if numbers keep growing, then I'm sure it'll happen eventually. Yeah, but um, so, yeah, so it's at present. Um, there's the the PRS series match, right? So what what other, what other centerfire events do they have? Just club days, or or every yeah? Quarter? So like you've got the national national matches, and then from what I and, Speaking as someone who honestly hasn't spent that much time at uh, yeah. official gun yeah. ranges in Australia, <laughs> um, so I believe yeah most clubs will run like a monthly um, centerfire PRS PRS match and yeah, like basically just write their own course of fire and try and sort of have it meet a similar guise of the national series. Mm-hmm. Have, yeah. have- so you've been doing the NRL twenty two, the the, <clears throat> the the Buck and Precision Rifle Club has, which we, you get provided a course of fire, which is an international yes. um, all around the world. Everyone shoots essentially the same course of fire, unless they're limited by uh, a particular range or something. Um, with the PRS, have you run any of the PRS twenty two events yet, or is that coming next year? Ah, uh, they've we've tried trialed a couple of them. Um, so I've only been there for I think one or two of them. Um, which with those, the club dictates the course of fire. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's sort of, I think they sort of give guidelines of, you know, it should be such and such distances and such and such size targets for that distance. Um, but yeah, there's a lot more sort of freedom within the club to write different stages and yeah, make it sort of suit your own range a bit more. Yep. Yep, that's cool. I, um, I was wondering whether the Perius ones would give you a course of fire or um, whether you'd have to work on your own one. It's um, I understand that the, the NRL one being very popular due to the fact um, you can essentially turn up early that morning and set the targets out and the props uh, to a, a pre-designed course of fire, right? But whereas the other way, you've got to put in a bunch of work leading up to it. So, But longer yeah. distance, a little bit more challenging potentially. Um yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, like that, that, that is the hard thing. Like it's, I think at the moment they're sort of trialling just having, whether it's one or two people um, riding a course of fire, then you go out and set it up and then hopefully some of the stages are good enough that then they can be used for the national match, which I think it was May they're talking for this one. Actually, I better check if I'm allowed to say that. I'm not entirely sure. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the idea is, yeah, if the stage is really good and everyone likes the either the barricades or the target layout, then that one gets put in the hut as being a stage that possibly goes in for the national match, and that's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. It's, I've talked about it before, but what, one thing we're missing in New Zealand is the the beginner club level matches. The um, yeah, the the bigger Some targets, bit more time. Essentially, the NRL twenty two is what we're missing, yep. in my opinion. Um, is that um, well, we don't really have gun ranges like you guys do in the US. Uh, sorry, Australia or the US or something. We have like hunting club for the most part. Um, yeah, and uh, that's sort of a bit more old school. But anyway, um, so you started shooting NRL twenty two before you shot the um, the PRS match, the Gunsport Trading Winter Classic. Yeah, so I would have shot, I think maybe four or five beforehand. Which prior to this year, I have zero formal competition experience. So, and. You know, for someone who's shot for so long of their life, I was still sort of surprised at how much I actually picked up and got out of it. Like, I shot the first, your first match up there and sort of went, yeah, I, I can see value in this. Like, you know, you have a couple of stages where things don't work quite as well as you expected or you weren't as stable and then it gives you something to work on. So, uh, I, I was, yeah, definitely still probably a bit unprepared for the national PRS, but I, it went... Didn't go too bad, aside from the misfires. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you, um, so like, you know, it, it wasn't a total train wreck anyway. Like, I'm sure I'd shoot better if I went and reshot it now. But, yeah, I, I felt like my scores could have got a lot worse than they were. So, all in all, I was pretty happy with how I shot. <laughs> so, for those, those um, especially our New Zealand listeners, would be a bit of a, an odd one. But uh, they have a 30-second hang fire rule. <laughs> meaning you've got to pause on the gun for 30 seconds when you have a either a um, like it failed to pick up a round or it was a, a dud primer. Um, and unfortunately, Stuart had would have been a half dozen at least. Yeah, uh, there was. I know there was one stage where I had two in a row, which <laughs> on a stage that's 105 seconds and you burn up 60 of them just in uh, hang fires or misfires. It's uh, yeah, your score for that stage isn't going to be fantastic. No, and um, there was one stage that was 30 seconds and you had a hang fire. <laughs> <laughs> the cold ball one. That, yep. Yeah, that was rough because of all the stages too, like that one I was like, oh, yeah, like I know me, I know my data's solid on this rifle and I know it'll print a tiny group. I was like, yeah, like I'm I'm pretty confident here and then just to get down and just go click and, up and, up and I was like, oh, you're joking. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I actually... I did actually reshot, I reshot that stage... Um, a couple of months later just to you know clear my conscience of it and make sure it wasn't all in my head that I could have done and I yeah hit the first two shots and then I think yeah fired the entire mag which I've got six round mags and I hit five out of six yeah it was sort of a I don't know bittersweet victory (laughs) I I think I actually won a patch for hitting that target I don't know what happened to it it's disappeared oh from what I've heard it's probably with Mark I'm I'm looking at it right now (laughs) oh good (laughs) BP, BPRC. Yeah, it's quite a cute patch. Got nice. a cute. My only, my, my only prize from Australia. Cold, it's actually, it's written. It's pretty much for you, Graham. You're a bit of a cold-hearted bore. Yeah, know, yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, moving on from Australia. So you, uh, you and your brother jetted over um, 
to the land of the long white cloud uh, a couple of weeks back and um, your first ever time on a plane somehow. Um, yeah, so where we live is sort of it's far enough from Melbourne that you don't want to drive down there to fly anywhere, but you're still kind of close enough that you just deal with driving for 12 hours. So I'd never been on a plane before, so that was an experience. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, it, it wasn't too bad, but I, I definitely wouldn't go out and jump on a joy flight or anything. <laughs> <laughs> so you come over and we set you up with a 308, a friend of mine that I had in my position. Um uh, a nice 308, uh, well, it was a Tac 30S. Is it still an action? I can't remember. Um, I think there is still an action. I'm yeah. sure I've got a photo of it somewhere. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. For a 90-degree action, it's 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 pretty good. Uh, and a, whatever barrel's on it, some big heavy barrel, and it's um it's meant to be a... Um, what's the, It's meant to be like a... What's the clone uh, it's meant yeah, to be? M- M40A5. Yeah, like an early 2003 invasion of Iraq sort of era, I'm assuming. Um. And we are shooting the 155 LDMs, a nice uh, intermediate weight bullet, in my opinion, for the 308. And it sh- that that gun shoots good. It's a um, yeah, a- plenty accurate. Data was good. You, you, you sort of tuned up the data to your own app. Um, Is that the round that the owner uses? No, no, he just shoots trash through it. No, yeah. <laughs> he like just it's shoots originally intended. Yeah, yeah. He just like he just shoots whatever rubbish he can find. Uh, no, he he normally shoots like a one seventy five Sierra, but I, uh, oh, yeah. I'm not fully convinced that I I like the idea of the little bit lighter bullet. But anyway, that's just me. Um, and to be honest, ninety nine percent of the world would prefer the one seventy five. So I'm the outlier there. But um, we went with the LDM because again. Uh, this match has got plenty of grass, so you really need to be able to see where your misses are going, um, as Stuart found out over the weekend. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we got the guns all, all set up and, and doped out to like 800 metres or something. Um, that was all good. Uh, we did a little bit of pest controlling, but we'll probably talk about that in the, in the next podcast. Um, and, well, to be honest, you checked your dope on a bunch of magpies, didn't you? That's right, they were a good uh, real-world-sized target and there wasn't many misses on them, so... No, no. <laughs> that was, actually, we were up there the other day and Carl shot, I think he shot seven or eight um, with his Desert Tech. One of them he shot with the <laughs> with the 303 at 200 metres too, with iron sights. Yeah, nice. Oh, yeah, he's a weapon. Um, but anyway, so we got, we got the guns all set up. Did you run your Kestrel or did you just run an app? I just run straight off um, my um, app on my phone. Yeah, it's fine. Eh? And then, um, and that was that. And then we went to the teams match, which um, we paired you up with a um, another shooter who who didn't have a teammate for the day, a newer shooter. So um, it was for his first ever sort of practical rifle match. He came from a shotgun background, so he, he had plenty to learn. New, like, like I said, brand new to the sport, um, and you were you were quite good, <clears throat> I'd say, at dealing with um, a less experienced competitor, albeit. Um, your first yeah, one, um, yeah. That, that's the thing. I don't think I was gonna uh, coop up, yeah, round up enough points from one match to win the championship, so I wasn't too stressed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and um, I think we started on. Uh, there's like an uns- we started on stage one, which yeah, is well, unsupported shooting. Them. Yeah, what was the name of it? Moral support only was our first yeah. stage. And, and so I go, I go to them. I go, okay. Who's, which one are you is good at um, standing unsupported shooting and and um, 
and, and Stuart goes, yeah, I'm pretty good. And was his name Brent? I can't recall. You know, Brent's like, uh, yes, Brent. He's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good at it too. I was like, oh, sweet, then you, you'll be fine because the first target was unsupported standing at like 100 metres. And then they're like, boom, 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 miss, 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 miss. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, this gun's a bit heavy, I think, for unsupported shooting. But um, yeah, the uh, the suppressed route the front and very forehand heavy, like, that that offhand stages that was I was definitely missing the SRS for them. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Mine's like very neutral in its balance point. Yeah. Very easy to shoot offhand, and then I sort of got to that like, <laughs> ooh yeah, this this makes this a bit more difficult. <laughs> yeah. You should have taken the suppressor off. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway. But anyway, we, we we got through. It was a bit of a punishing way to start the uh, the teams match. <laughs> um, that, that's for sure. Not not that we, not that Wes and I cleaned it. We. Uh, I think we didn't get the last target or something. Um, but how did you get on on that one, Mark? You and Carl. That should have been a, a Mark and Carl stage if I ever have seen one. Mark falling asleep. I've got the scores up in front of me. And how, I can tell you that how did Mark get on? <laughs> uh, so they tied uh on the highest score for that so mark and carl and josh and greg both got 37 points on that stage out of 40 which i think's one so one target down that's pretty good yeah because i think it had a the longest shot was like 500 or 450 meters yeah she was a fair ways out there yeah oh, what, what i should say too for those listening so the, the team's match itself um you could the targets weren't hidden but you had no distances given so inside of your time you would um you would uh range the target and and do your data essentially so um obviously Stuart and brent had different calibers but i did notice that Stuart's ammo uh, his data was essentially the same as my 65 creedmoor anyway so it wouldn't have been too far out from each other but um so they had to do that in their time also um yeah which is which is have, have you done that before um well probably not if you've only done nrl and prs i like to me, that's kind of just what we do hunting, I suppose. Like, you yeah. know, you you got to range your target before you shoot. But as far as, like, a formal competition, nah. Um, and it's it'd be pretty difficult to try and implement that on a flat range too because most ranges have their distances or, you know, 100-meter, 200-meter, 300-meter berms, like that sort of type thing. So you, you could do it within reason maybe with a 22 something where it's a bit more critical but then you've got the other problem of a flat range is hard to get an exact distance from a shooting position um but yeah ranging and doping out all your stuff under time is definitely new for me yeah especially multiple targets and such as well eh? um yeah yeah so um but yeah and then oh what else stands out we had a stage where you had to coordinate shots that was fun um, through this awkward little sort of um, barricade wall. Um, went particularly well for Wes and I. Uh, not How did it go for you guys? I didn't think it went... Uh, it wasn't... Like, it wasn't too bad, but it wasn't fantastic. Like, I was struggling with that one. My forend, the forend on the 308, was actually too large to fit a bag in underneath it, so mm-hmm. I had to go hard on the forend and then try and build up a rear support yeah um which yeah it was 
clunky, but it did the job. Like, it, yeah, it wasn't a total disaster. <laughs> I think to also, obviously, when there's like coordinated shooting. So what it was is there's a, a big and a small target, and the the small target had to be engaged within a second of the shot being fired at the large, or a shot being fired at the large. So um, for it to count, so if, if, if say if I shot and then West shot four seconds later, that wouldn't count. So you had to it had to be coordinated and. Um, when you're shooting with someone you've never shot with before and you're sort of not familiar with it, you know, planning on how you're going to talk to each other. and Yeah, the, the process or the yeah. just counting in on which number you're going to fire. At. Exactly. So. Um, and so it's funnily enough that um, Stuart and Tony released a video about their, their um, trip to New Zealand and it shows the stage in it and um, uh, Wes and I shooting it. And, and it, did, it went essentially perfect for Wes and I. But in the stage because I had to get in an awkward position I'm like pass me a rear bag and he passed me a t-shirt <laughs> and I was like what the fuck is this <laughs> and so I was just I just had to struggle through but I was like man what the because he had a, like a his game changer he wasn't using or something he just passed me a folded up t-shirt and I was like where did this even come from it's actually in, it's in the video but um yeah that that was uh, actually speaking of that stage so there was Four, I think it was four big and small targets, um, so eight targets total. Went for the first three, so he shot, and then I'd shoot, and then he'd have to shoot again, so he needed two hits, and I'd shoot on his um, second shot, essentially, and use, if he had any um, issue with the wind, i.e. moving off-centre of target, he'd tell me. First three targets, boom, 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 and the last target was at, I think it's around 500 metres, and uh, the small target was... It's a six inch round. So what's that? Point three ish. Anyway. Just under and um so pretty small. And um I thought, well, I might as well I said to him, I'll shoot on your first shot. Cause I can re-engage on your second shot anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And and I thought, oh, I'll hold I think I was like, I'll hold point three or something. Anyway, he shoots, we counter and he shoots, I pull the trigger, nothing happens because I have my safety on. And, and and it actually worked out quite well because the the correction was 0.6 so I would have flat out missed anyway this little target with a 0.6 um, with a 0.3 wind hold and, and then so he quickly says 0.3, uh, 0.6, 0.6 and I we do the second his second shot and I I engage at the same time and we uh, luck a bullet strike on the small target which was quite nice um, not that it needed to be clean because he had a few extra shots but it was nice to do it um, essentially clean um, and that mis- that mistake made it happen for me for once instead of ruining it for my ruining the points. But that that was fun. That was probably our best stage of the day, I'd say. For just um, yeah, yeah, of all the stages, I reckon that one was the most interesting to watch too. Like yeah, it probably was the most reliant on teamwork and coordinating together between the two shooters and a very tight position to shoot from. So you were um, yeah, that was a, that was a really awkward barricade. Yeah, so you were. Uh, sort of pushed up against the other shooter or you you couldn't set out as perfectly as you, you normally would if you were um, <clears throat> shooting by yourself. So, yeah, that was cool. I um, I was unsure when I seen how we'd, had Simon had written the rules. I thought, oh, I don't know, how's it, is this going to be cool, you know? And it, it was. It, it worked out to be cool. Now, the fact that we shot it well probably helps my opinion of the stage. <laughs> Obviously, it's teams matches. You haven't really shot that kind of thing. What what would have been your favourite um, stage of the the teams match? Essentially, 
Oh, the the dash at stage was really like to watch that was really cool. Mm-hmm. That one looked like a lot of fun, and you know it just throws in the curveball of having to run and then shoot while you're puffed and making things difficult alone. Like that that was a really cool stage. Uh, what else do we have? Actually, the wind chime stage that was another really interesting one. Oh, one the new targets, the wind chime. Yes. Oh, that, that's actually another thing I was unsure on how um, how it would be used in a competition um, because we got the targets cut out not that long ago and Simon's like, oh, can you can you get these made? We get a frame made so we can use them. And I sort of I was thinking, shit, how are we gonna? How are these gonna be practically used? You know, but um, it worked out quite cool. So uh, yeah, it made it really interesting to for win corrections like because they were a really narrow target point two wide yeah yeah Yeah, aim in the middle of the wind chime and sort of yeah take your educated guess on your wind hold and then if it was a bit off then you had to try and correct that to not hit the incorrect wind chime because you're only allowed to hit one of them uh yeah only one hit per target was for your score yeah um no i thought that was that was really cool I think they're quite a cool target too because, um, like you say, you could. it wasn't hard to get on the chimes because it was, was it eight targets. Um, or something. Yeah, eight wide. Yeah, so, you know, so 1.6 mil wide. So for a newer shooter, they could get on it easy. But if you wanted, and, and then they could get several hits, but if you wanted to accurately hit all of them, you had to really pay attention to where you were hitting and to, to get all of the chimes, and that did prove to be um, difficult in the wind. So, um, yeah, that, again, uh, I wasn't sure how cool those targets were going to be, and I actually think they end up being a pretty cool um, target set. Not that I shot them well on the second day, but we can talk about that in a minute. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're cool. They, like I said, they're, they're a good mix of challenging and achievable for new shooters. Uh, well, semi-achievable, so it's... um. Yeah, it worked well. Um, or the only comment I'd say about them is they have to have a dedicated RO with really good glass so they can yeah, call, was, yeah, which which one you hit. Very hard to see exactly which one was getting hit or if there was any splash across them. Yeah, but. so we just had a, the RO had a pair of 15-power Swarovskis, and that was, um, so obviously they had a really good scope, uh, binocular, sorry, rather, set up on a tripod and so it was no problem for this the um this the ro slash spotter slash um to to actually um correct people on which ones they hit or at least at the end say no he hit one three uh, eight and whatever and then um for scoring because some people would be like no no i hit one two three four five and it's like well now you hit four three times or something so <laughs> <laughs> which which my teammate I thought, i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure it was number four it was like impact four Impact four, impact four, and I was, I was like, "God!" Because the 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 other shooter was on a, a Manuka prop, and there was a, a learn your limits rack, like big down to small targets, and he could only engage the next target when another new wind chime had been hit. So I'm like on the prop. Um, this by the time I think we're like through four targets on on my rack, and then I'm waiting, you know, waiting, waiting, waiting on the target, locked in, ready to go, and then I just hear. Yeah, Impact four, impact four, impact four, and I'm like, oh shit! And, and where's this guy? I'm honestly moving my reticle over, but it's just, it's just not working. Um, 
yeah, so that, that was fun. Um, I quite like that stage too, actually. What was we the other the one? reverse problem. What do you mean you had the reverse problem? Well, Carl got stuck on the rack. Oh. I was sitting, I had the chime first, you know, it was my best, probably my best shooting of the Saturday anyway, was um, I had the first, you know, immediate chime one, chime two, chime three. I didn't have a miss, basically, on the chimes. Chime four, I think, whatever, five, I might have got up to five. But I think Carl got stuck on whatever target he was on on the rack and I should have um, gone across the spot from him but that was too late by then but I think that's what happened it's all very vague by now but so, I, I was happy with how the chimes went so you like the chimes? yeah your, your favourite target? Ma- man, mainly because I did well both days so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right on, <laughs> on the second day I, um, I didn't hit one twice I was hitting different chimes but I didn't double hit one, so that was pretty cool too. Yeah, I think I think we'll see them again. They, they could probably actually be pretty cool off Mount Doom at uh, Long Range Challenge, actually. Um, sure yeah, a bit closer. Yeah, maybe four hundred. Yeah. 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 Or hey, what about even further away? <laughs> oh, okay. We'll put them at a K. <laughs> You'd be happy to get like two hits. I, oh, and the spotter would be like, "Yeah, I think you hit it." <laughs> One of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. The, the, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, what would what was your favourite stage, Mark? Of the well, you said the chimes, but what one went best for your team at the? Um, uh, the so we equal top scored on the unsupported stage. So that mm-hmm. was one, but we top scored the spinner. So I think we got the maximum score you could get without spinning it. Yeah. Um, and that was all with I think in our teams. I was like, right, Carl, you get it moving, and I'll smack the back one. And, and Carl missed it twice. So I was like, oh, I'll just start. So we just started firing. So uh, I think I waited two shots, and he and he took three to get on it, which is, you know, we didn't. I don't think, yeah, it was inexplicable from him because he's not normally, you know, on a, on that target at that size at that distance. So, but then we started just. Um, and I think we had it way more times the back target they needed, so we maxed out quite easily. It was good. Man, we very good. But Wes and I just so we had we there's a tire we shoot through uh, a stage we shoot through some tires kind of like loopholes and uh, that went pretty bad for Wes, not for me, but for Wes. Uh, to quote Simon though, you both had a terrible plan, and I'm surprised you got as many points as you did, or, or something <laughs> something along those lines. But Wes was essentially just clipping the tire and. Um, Anyhow, um, and, and so, the rest of it were sort of spotting his where his shots were going. It wasn't making much sense. You'd see ones that was going like ten meters low, and then off to the right, and was sort of yeah, something something seems yeah. off here. <laughs> and, anyway, <laughs> and, so, and m- mind you, the, like the way the tripod was set up, Wes is there on his tippy toes, like shaking around like crazy, going, "Yeah, how the hell do you set up on this?" <laughs> but so anyway, so we come off that, and Wes is like pretty angry at himself. You know, he's like, "Oh, I let the team down." It's like, doesn't matter, don't worry about it. We go to our next stage, which is the the, the spinner. Cool, time starts, do the dope, boom, range it, yeah. I go down our dope chart because we've got a, a, a essentially the same dope, read out our data, I go, yep, 1.5 or some shit. And then we're like, cool, we both shoot like three, two, one, boom. We do the most perfect synchronized shot in the history of the world. I watch both of our trace fly in there and they land exactly one mil low, perfect wind call, everything. I'm like, that's weird, so we do it again. And we land exactly a mil low. And then he's like, what's the distance? And I checked my chart. And I should have been 2.5 or something. 
I'm like, so <laughs> I was like, fuck. And then we like miss for wind. And then we, by the time we actually get on, because you've only got a minute to execute um, the, 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 the impacts. And um, man, I think we come out of it with, with next to no points, but um, it really damaged our score. Yeah, 10, 10, there you go. Um, and like that by rights should be an easy, you know, 25, 30, I guess. I don't, I'm not looking at the score sheets, but it's just my, just, yeah, running that normally hard data for me is always like this fantastic, easy, fast thing, and I just read the wrong line. And um, that would have put you into a strong second. We were in second. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a weak second to a strong second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, to be honest, I would have nearly won the competition if we had done these fucking things. But anyway, that doesn't matter. But nearly. The, the fact that we watched it go in low and, I, and, and measured it and then repeated it. And then instead of just coming up a mill, like two bullets landing in the same spot should tell you that. Wow, um, that's the definition of insanity. It, it's it's retarded ass. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, and that was, afterwards you're like, why the fuck didn't we just, like, who cares, hold up, shoot, 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 hold a mill high. But anyway, that's life. Um, yeah, so that was definitely our worst stage of the day. But, um, but anyway, it was still... You should know too, like 500 metres is not 1.5 mil for a 6.5 creed, or a 6 mil creed, sorry, rather. So, um, so have you mentioned your favourite stage, Graham? Uh, probably probably the, the one, you, you, only the one you cleared. I mean, well, the, sorry, you were the only one to clear it, which was uh, coordination. Yeah, I like that. That was cool. Stage two. And I like, yep. ooh, what else? You I like that. I like the unsupported one. I like stage yep. one. That, just because it's hard, it's hard unsupported shooting, but you can use your teammate as a body support, not a rifle support, but like leaning against each other and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I abandoned that. Yeah. Now, in that stage, was Carl better than you or you better than Carl? Because last year, Carl got all your points. Uh, I I can't quite remember, but I think we were, were equal contributor, maybe, I think. Oh, that's good. I think I ended, I ended up with rounds left and I... I hit the you know I had one round or two rounds one round left to hit the far one and didn't quite hit it but I think I was the I don't know somehow ended up shooting at the end so I, I, I <clears throat> Carl will correct me but uh, I felt it was better than last year where I contributed nothing um, and and got congratulated for my effort um, so I, yeah I think we were a bit more even well Carl 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 doesn't come on the podcast so you can essentially make up what you want. And take all the glory. Yeah, I can say whatever I like. So, Carl, <laughs> like last year, Carl was hopeless. Um, no, that was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that 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 was um, it was cool. So, so Stuart, overall, how did you find your first um, teams event? Obviously, having like a, a someone you were more familiar with, or to be honest, actually knew, would have made things easier. But um, how did you like the format? I, like, I I really liked the format. Like, um. For like what we do, like myself and Tony, if you go out hunting and you know you can coordinate between each other when you're ranging, dialing, all that sort of stuff, just for shooting a deer, it's all sort of the same part of the parcel. So, no, I thought it was awesome. I, I just kind of wish that we could try and implement it on ranges over here because, yeah, I told a few of you, the guys over there in New Zealand that we can't host private events on um, farms and that over here, which sucks because. 
you know, we could have some pretty awesome competitions, but legally you can't do it. Yeah. Which is really unfortunate. Well, all you need is a radical change of government. So, um, yeah. good, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we got, we got, um, we got, uh, day one out of the way. Um, uh, myself and Wes ended up in second, which we were quite surprised at. So it turns out quite a few people had troubles. Uh, where did you and Carl end up, Mark? Sixth or seventh? Uh, sixth, Graham. Come sixth. on, you know that. Well, I didn't know. I haven't got the scores in front of me. <laughs> uh, congratulations to Michael and Nick who took out the uh, the win on the team's event. Graham and Wes in second. Anthony and Ian in third, and Rob and Dirk in fourth. Josh and Greg in fifth, and Carl and Mark in sixth. So you read you read to sixth place for any particular reason? Yep. Just. <laughs> Because it got to me, and then I gave it. Oh, we do that. <laughs> and uh, Brent and Stuart, uh, yeah, we you went know. Uh, thereabouts. Oh, perfect. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's only tw- double your position, Mark. On oh, no, your six, well, not seven. Say, yeah. A team's event when you meet your teammate on the day. So yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's a bit like you know picking teams at primary school and you know with the complete. Anyway, you end up with choice at the end. You end up <laughs> yeah. with you end up with Lee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, instead of Leon. Lee instead of Leon. In <laughs> yeah, not the best bull rush partner. Anyway, um, no. so heading into day two was the individual match. Um, uh, so again, Stuart was using three hundred eight. I shot the six five Creedmoor on the Sunday, which was nice. I hadn't shot much six five lately. Uh, new MPA that I've put together. A uh, bit more of a field style setup, um, about fourteen half pounds, um, and a, a Grabo sort of stock chassis sort of hybrid type thing. Um, yeah, it's cool. But anyway, a um, bit more of a successful day. Apart from I did zero a stage completely, um, but we can we can get to that. But um, so twelve were we twelve stages. No, we were in ten stages on the Sunday, weren't we? Yeah, 10 stages. 10 stages, yeah. So heading into the individual day for Stuart, so obviously this is slightly more normal-ish, uh, the fact that you're given distances and you're given, um, obviously you know where targets are and stuff like that. So similar course of fire, obviously a bit, bit different um, stage designs and, and the props used quite differently. But um, how did you find, so obviously uh, NRL, I'm pretty sure there's no unsupported shooting. Uh, they've gone completely away from it in PRS. Every so often they'll throw like maybe one or two shots in. Like of all the NRL matches I've shot, I think yeah, maybe one or two of them had an unsupported shot. But they're generally pretty forgiving. Like you know, uh, from memory, the last one was maybe 60, 70 meters on a three-inch gong. Yeah. Um, like yeah, it's. Still not an easy shot, but it's that it is doable. Yeah, that's still fairly. Um, that's still fairly stuff. Yeah, that's good. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing to the extremes of you know several several hundred meters offhand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, to be honest, we that's probably the one event where we've got oh a long range challenge had out to four hundred and fifty meters from a sitting position, you know, but. But yeah, so obviously that's a little bit different. And then obviously, well, but here's one thing too: your gym, the matches you're shooting on flat ranges. We're shooting in uh, not very big hills there, but quite a bit different from um, Buckham, definitely. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, but a little bit of angle, more wind, like no tree cover, etc. Um, so how did you find that kind of range? So that's, funnily enough, probably more what I'm used to because that's where it's similar to where I've grown up, like big yeah. rolling hills. So yep. it's probably more accustomed to me for shooting out in a paddock and just bringing steel out there or confirming data or if you just go out for a practice shot. So the hills and that sort of things didn't bother me too much. Um, yeah, the, the offhand stuff was definitely tricky. I think my there was two stages where I just didn't shoot particularly well, and that was the offhand one and the wall again. Same thing with the issue with the big fat forend trying to get a rest on that was on oh, that had the um, camo net on as well. I think quite a few people struggled. With oh, that. that was a that was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. That was- yeah, I that was. Uh, <laughs> I, I I really wish that someone had a video of Collie cleaning it because I'd love to know how he managed to crawl in around there and make that all work. That would have been cool to see. Yeah, wow, that was like uh, that. That was rough. Like I was had me throw lever snagged. I think the bolt got snagged. Like, but by, by the time I got out, I was just tangled up in it. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, a bit of a prick, to be completely honest. Um, I think I got four hits. At least, you, at least you got eleven points. How many did Compared I get? My three. How many did I get, mate? Uh, uh, Graham B. Fourteen. Oh fuck! You got fourteen. That was probably a, was that a pretty good score for that stage? To be uh, in, in practical, it was um, equal top for practical yeah. use. Okay, yeah, yeah. fourteen. Yeah, um, and then. Uh, yeah, open. pretty much. Oh, Nick Nick got twenty one and open, and Anthony got twenty eight. Clearing yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another. So, yeah, there's very few. A lot of yeah, single Michael digits. Yeah. Yeah. How many did you so get, Mark? Uh, one hit. <laughs> three points. I got what? great strategy getting under there. I I staged the rifle, then crawled in. Um, but that's where it ended basically. So I couldn't. Uh, I think they end up with the net in front of my scope and couldn't locate a target, and I just got lost, and that was it. So you need to take a pocket knife in and slash your way in. Yeah, flamethrower. <laughs> Burning plastic on you while you're doing it. <laughs> take a lighter, borrow Kelvin's lighter, and try to light the fire out of the way. No, um, yeah, that was hard. Yeah, that was hard. It was. Um, and, and I'm not a fan. The wall is not my strong point anyway. That thing. So I've had, I've had, I've never had a good. Good, t- uh, yeah. The wall has always uh, not been my um, favourite thing. Just I don't know. Have you never Desert shot well Jewel. on the wall? No, I had a shocker at Desert Jewel on it. And yeah, so did I. Was, but that was more because of the five hundred yeah. mile an hour wind. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. and oh, I don't know. Just trying to, you know, you're trying to fighting to get a position, and yeah. So yeah. I just got to, I guess. Borrow it and set it up and try and get better at it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good idea. I think at Desert Jewel I got one hit, and I'm pretty sure that was a, yeah. pity, a pity hit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we think you hit it. <laughs> cool, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, yeah. When you like, when you put like five mil of wind on and you see your fucking your round still land like five meters to the other opposite direction, you're like, oh man. But anyway, um, the wall, eh? Was that your worst stage of the day, Mark? The wall. Yeah. 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 Uh... Yep, by yep. far. Yes. What was absolutely. on the individual day? So just you shooting by yourself. What was your best stage? Uh, the uh, limits. Oh, the wind chimes. Score. The, or the lunar limits. 
Yeah, I, yeah, it was the Learn Your Limits, um, the Prime one. Yeah. So that that's an interesting one because uh, did we start on that, Stuart, on this? Yeah, summer? we did. Yeah, so that was our first stage. So we got lucky and there was next to no wind when we shot it, right? Like the least wind we had all day. I think it might be like 0.2 or something. But for both you and I, and I'm assuming most everyone else, <clears throat> the last target frame had two targets. And when you hit the second to last target, it started the, the final target, which was like a 100 mil square, like, I don't know, 600 meters or something. It started it wobbling quite a lot. And then we're like, yeah. you were the same, eh? We're just like waiting, waiting, yeah. waiting, Wait waiting. for like the last couple of seconds and just hope <laughs> that you get the timing right. And it was um, still moving too much, yeah. Because I, I think yeah. we could have hit it because we, we got real oh, lucky with the wind. For but, sure. And like I was like, my, I was really happy with how my um, elevation was sitting. I knew my wind hold was good. But like even when I was shooting, it was still swinging, you know, between... Oh, I would have been like four o'clock and eight o'clock. Like it was still a pretty aggressive swing on. I was like, oh, oh yeah, let's just hope for the best. But yeah, on the scores, what have we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of us. Um, yeah, all tied on the highest, or the highest score for that, which was just all the targets except the last one. So, so no one got the last target. No one got the last target. I'd I'd say because of it moving like that. Yeah, like yeah, it's. Yeah, why did he have them yellow then? What do you mean yellow? Well, he's got them highlighted yellow for 26 points, so it's as if he scrubbed the last target. Anyway, don't know. If you go up the column, it'll have max points at the top. Yeah, he's got it 28, and they're all 26, but he's got them highlighted yellow as if that was the maximum score you get. It'll just be that the program will have a glitch. It's an automatic, it automatically does it, yeah. Automatically glitches. Good on it. Yeah, I think there was. I think that that was a chime a chime stage, wasn't it? No, no, the one before the chime stage, the one up on top of the hill. Chimes was through the tires. Oh, oh, that's where I did well in. Yeah, yeah. I I did not. I um. That was was my favourite stage again because I hit the chimes a lot. I got down into position because you meant to shoot through a tire, hit a chime, then move to another tire, move to another tire, and so on and so forth. Or new position, I should say. I get down to position and I'm just smashing chimes. Boom, 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 boom. Like one, two, three, four, like ripping. They're like, yeah, yeah. And then I, I, I hit like five or six chimes. And everyone's watching the targets. They're not watching me. And then I go, oh, I haven't moved. <laughs> and I was like, I've only hit one chime. They're like, no, you've hit like six. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I've only hit one chime because I haven't moved. So then I had... F- bugger all time left and I had to move around and try and get a few points but oh that that was um just just a basic mistake real real amateur and um uh to be honest lucky I caught myself because what would have happened I would have got to the end of the stage and gone oh I got all the chimes I actually know I've only got one hit because I thought you know um would be quite it's well it's, it's cheating in it so but, but anyway that man i was on too just moving it over point two, point two, point two. but uh yeah obviously not good so how many did you get on that mark 21 points which is equal top and open class i think someone in practical got jeff got 24 yeah so jeff yeah. top scored it for the day yep yeah um, yeah so I was pretty, yeah, I, once again, I, it's a while ago, so I'm 
I just know I did well on the chimes. Um, didn't have a bad, didn't have a, yeah, no, it went, it went all right. Yeah. Um, I think most of my other stages were just average. I think from memory I might have clipped the tyre on a couple of shots on that one because I had a few few rounds where I didn't see him hitting sort of like, oh, that was odd. So Your yeah. bipod's got quite short legs, doesn't it, Stuart? Like, yeah, uh, I've got a Atlas. feeling it was on that stage. Yeah. Yes, correct. Yeah, that yeah. was Cal. Yep. Yeah. That's and obviously... Beat me on the day, so... Yeah. <laughs> and then from what was probably one of my... Better stages for the day was the next stage, which was a, like a manuka prop. So, um, with a yes, you bunch of you, positions. Um, yeah, yeah, you clean that stage too. Yeah, yeah, three targets, and there's a specific target order, wasn't there? That the, the there wasn't a position order; it just being it had to be a new position, cannot repeat. Um, yep. And I think I that was quite fun. Um, I dropped my bag at one point, so I was like, "No, no, stop! Get your bag!" Like even if you. You're better off to like run out of time and not hit the last target, then like miss like five targets trying to shoot without a bag. Um, that was cool. Heaps of movement, and you had to have quite a good plan because there's like really solid positions on the manuka prop, and then there's uh, like sort of averagely solid positions, and then there's like flat out like kind of terrible positions. So I, I started like go get all the solid points, and then go to like the average positions, and then finish if you have time on the. Uh, we consider bad positions, so they're sort of essentially your bag can't sit on the wood, and you got to hold the side of it or, or something. Uh, that was that was cool. That was quite a fun stage. Um, not particularly small targets, so you could sort of move a bit faster. Um, that was cool. Yeah, no luck on that one for that you, Mark. A good stage. That was the uh, which one was that? Was the manuka on the south range? Stage eight or nine? Nine, eight? No, I don't know. <laughs> no, it was average. Average. Anyway, I was overall happy with the gun, so that was uh, and the the uh, technology worked well too. So, oh, so you were running um, the HUD. So actually, on the sun, yeah. So the HUD with the Kestrel and the Kilo Ten K binos, the Sig ones, and I even did it on. I actually ranged everything on Sunday as well, just for the hell of it rather than reading off the sheet mm-hmm. and load all the data that way. So, um, so you know, like on the chimes and stuff, in terms of elevation, it was you know, bang on the whole weekend, so I was really happy with that. The rifle yep. performed super well, so yep. um, just the shooter didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, the, yeah, and the tech didn't blow up on me, which, yeah, anyway. Uh, Kestrel, ah, it was a good... I was a bit nervous doing the three connected devices thing, but it turned out okay. So, yeah, well, you don't end up misreading it like I did my paper chart. So, <laughs> 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 yeah, that's oh, life. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. No, even like in terms of mags and cycling, I really I just use the one mag, and no issues with that. Um, I was having issues practicing getting loading the mags, which Stuart might be familiar with a bit with the the, with the positioning, behind, you know, where it is. The mag can be not yeah, the they, easiest to chuck back in on them. Yeah, but. yeah, like because oh, I've only got the six rounds at the moment. It's because you, you're running the ten rounders for the comps, aren't you? Or yeah, you, yeah, yeah. So like the 
especially prone, I imagine they're a bit harder to change, or if you're in an awkward position, the six are a little bit shorter. But the, yeah, they're right down the on the length. Rounds. <laughs> they're, the, they're basically the length of the pistol grip, so they're virtually yeah, touching the okay. ground. Yeah. Yep, so you've yep. sort of got a break position if you're in an awkward yep. location, I suppose. But no, handling-wise, I was happy with it, and it's uh, it's an easy rifle to shoot unsupported too, just because of the weights and the back on it, so it's good. Yes, they are quite easy to shoot unsupported, actually. You're right. Yeah. Offhand, everything. Yep. Just how did, they're balanced. Did you, miss your desert, did you miss shooting your desert tech, Stuart, or were you used to the... Oh, I did on the more awkward stages, so the, yeah. the um, M40, like, it was fantastic off a barricade because it had so much weight and so much forward weight, like, yeah, because yeah. I was shooting open with the heavy bags, so any of the really solid barricades, I was, yeah, very confident in using it. Happy. But, yeah, yeah all, all the offhand stuff and the um, sketchier barricades, every one of those, I was definitely missing the Desert Tech. Yeah. So we, after that, we went down to this, there's like a, uh, what was the stage called, Risk or Reward or something, stage 10, and it was a uh, there's an A-frame sort of prop and then a you could use A-frame and prone essentially and um, uh, there's a, a hostage target and then a big and a small I think at like six fifty or six hundred and then a host- the hostage is at like um, I don't know four five hundred meters <clears throat> and uh, so minus and it was a heavy minus point so it was minus eight per hostage and I um, hit the hostage heaps. Um, and, and even though I hit the little target, it didn't mean jack shit. Like the the really hard, like sub MOA target, um, it didn't mean anything. Oh, that was the hard little, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah and a tricky um, one, yeah. And then, and I then I land just beside it. Yeah. And then what happened was I I was unsure on how many points I lost due to hitting the hostage. So my last shot, which was the the target order, was at the hostage target. I intentionally put it into the dirt to to not lose any more points unbeknown to me i was already on zero so i should have i should have tried to hit hit the hit the target but um anyway um uh, that was like yeah, i think i i i got 12 points on that stage and had one hostage hit i think in that so i shot okay you know yeah i think the, i got pretty good harvesting points but then hit the hostage once i think so that yeah cooked it but, yeah not as bad as zero. Not no, not not as bad as the big zero. Um, fucking hostages, anyway. Uh, yeah, um, that really it sucked too because like the wind at the long target, which was in a similar valley, like the same valley, just different ends of it. I had like you had ten. Did you hit it, Stuart, or not? Or did you, yeah, he did fine. Uh, I I didn't hit any hostages, but I was being really cautious on the hostage oh, yeah. um, hostage targets. I was like aiming bottom edge of the target gong and most of them were just falling short so didn't lose any points but because I played it safe I didn't get many <laughs> risk a reward yeah I know what you yeah. mean you see often I go I can mind, mind you, that was and stop that was straight after watching Graham shoot really well and yeah. then lose all these points I was like oh <laughs> this is seeming a bit scary to get too confident <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's oh you know that's a little target to be smacking and there's like no hits on it too so you're like yeah i'm the man and then burp, burp, just <laughs> and it's like what's 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 the hostage worth minus two nuts minus eight you're like oh, oh no <laughs> but uh anyway um i i don't have i'm not the fondest of hostage zero. yes um yeah so that's uh that's life um on that one 
but yeah, I, I think the whole day um, it didn't finish too late. I think we finished around it was about three thirty, something like yeah, that. Three thirty, yeah. four o'clock, something like that. Yeah, and so that so that so that was good. Um, so we had fifteen in practical, fourteen open, so a pretty even field, um, and quite a good hunter field too. Eleven in that. Yes, so congratulations to Cassie from the gun rack for taking yep. out Hunter Class and then Ruben, my apprentice, for taking out second is definitely his best result ever. Um, uh, talking to Simon who mentored him through the day shot really well. Um, you talking about everything in his life or just shooting? Just that day really. <laughs> yeah. Just that I'm, day. I'm actually taking him hunting tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. But anyway, um, okay. but no, good, good effort. Um, yeah, he shot well. Um, so congratulations to those. Uh, yeah, Cassie had a awesome blinder of a day. Yeah, first eight stages at least. Yeah, yeah, did very well. Uh, then open no, what's the main class? Practical, Graham. Graham, even though you zeroed the tenth stage, you came away with a comfortable victory. Well, I had to clear the dash at stage and a few things to make. I had to work my second half of the day essentially. Oh, so that was earlier on. I always you think yeah. tenth stage, but it was yeah, yeah it was, was half the day. That me. was my f- yeah, fifth ah, stage. Halfway, yeah, yeah. Oh, that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. changed your strategy. Yeah, yeah, and then like the 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 camo net one again, another a lot another low score. But I I figured most people would score low there after after I've seen how hard it was. Um, and then, and then um, the dash it you had to yeah, get the Jeff, dash it done. Yeah, Jeff in second. So good to see Jeff up on the podium and Chris. Brown, is it? Yep. So congratulations to Jeff yep. from the Gun Rack, yep. the sponsor of yep. the podcast. We have to plug him, Mark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> can't forget. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, great work and great work to Chris. And um, it was, it was. And what we need to say is thank you to Simon for putting in all the work, running yeah. two big matches over one weekend, all the work setting out targets and uh, riding stages and. Uh, Obviously, organising the weather, the weather played ball for the first time in a long time. So yes, um, and then obviously the weather was good. Yeah, and then um, to the to the then uh, team who took oh, sorry open class open class. Yep. So uh, Anthony took out first place mm-hmm. two thirty one. Michael Wilkie in second two two two. Oh, he gapped him. I think they had a they had a gap. He gapped him. Wow, good work. They had a. Ding dong, ding dong battle all day. Yeah. Um, and Nicholas Shaw, the the guy who never wins but always wins, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Good work, Nick. Seri- good work, Nick. Podium, third, uh, two thirteen, so not far behind. Where, yeah. what, where, where did you come, Mark? Because I'm assuming we're going to read it back to oh, the. <laughs> I'm not going to. No. So we'll start I'm at thirteen. Very well. <laughs> so Stuart, Stuart got tenth. Nice, Stewie. Um, two two places ahead of me, so I was in twelfth and open. So, but <laughs> considering I used no open gear all day, I was like, oh, why, why did you not use that? any? Why didn't you use the bags and stuff? It's a massive advantage. Oh, I don't know. I just didn't <laughs> think anything really warranted it. I so. seen you walking up the hill at the start of the day with a shopping yeah, bag full of shooting accessories, yeah. and I was like, what's yeah. this silly bugger up to? So you carried yeah. them around. Actually, did I find your tripod abandoned on the course as well somewhere? Yes, left behind. <laughs> Just threw it on the ground. Okay, what we should say is, so good work on... How many tripod stages were there, Graham? <laughs> None. I was impractical. I didn't need one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, so I if I was impractical, I would have got seventh. There you go. <laughs> 
I think I tried running tripod rear on one stage and it was way more effort than it was worth. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, ditched it halfway through the stage. So, I carried my tripod (laughs) around all day for basically no good reason except for spotting. So, Stuart, you shot shot pretty well, but you you had a couple stages where you um, shit the bed a bit, to be be honest. Yeah. Uh, Wrong uh, targets, um, different. uh, Funny enough, repeating what I did on the spinner to the point one of the mill. So what what happened there? What what let you down across the day? So the spinner that was probably my biggest single loss of points. So dialed a mill short, and then I can't remember if I fired one or two shots before I realised what I'd done. I think it was two. And then yeah. I, I think from memory, I think I think I had a round nose dive. I can't remember if it was before shooting or after those couple of shots. I swear I had a round nose dive, and that cost me more time. So. That should have been an easy, either max 22 or if I'd gone for the rotation, I potentially should have been able to get the high score. But anyway. So uh, shooting the 308, you are at an advantage on the um, the spinners. On the spinner, for sure, yeah. yeah. So that stage should have gone a whole lot better if I hadn't made a really dumb, easy mistake. Um, so you must have hit the, the back offense. target then. <laughs> he tried. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was trying to like so slot got- it in over the top. I know I got it once, but I've yeah, had you like did, three because you got twelve points. So I, I can't imagine with the issues you had, you would have got away twelve single shots, point shots. Yeah, <laughs> he fought. He <laughs> fired a lot of rounds down I, the side. Yeah, I think I went I, through I, twenty rounds. I, I got 11, 11 one point hits. That's all I got. One eleven one point hits. You didn't hit the bat. Did I, I max? Did I max non-spin score it? If that makes sense. Yes, you yes. Did. Yep, yeah. you did. I hit the back yep. target Three heaps. Pin. Like, yep. I just was like, got it spinning, and I was just like, bam, bam, bam. I think my barrel, I got a little temperature indicator, was at max after that stage. We had to put it under the tree max. and stuff a heap of grass between the scope and the chamber just to cool the gun down. Anyway, sorry, just carry on, Stuart. What was your grand plan for that stage? Uh, yeah, so I, I was planning on going for the, uh, for the full rotation, so... My plan was to hit the big bottom target first and confirm my wind hold and then try and alternate top and bottom. Or if it was going to be too hard, then just rely on the back gong and then it all just fell to pieces and turned into mad panic. So uh, that stage did not go well, which should have been an easy one. But anyway, and um, yeah, the offhand stage, that was nothing fantastic either, but I sort of expected that going into it. The wall, that was pretty... Uh, it wasn't too terrible across the field, but it could have gone a lot better. And then I had two stages where I shot at wrong targets. One of them, that was the branching out stage. That was the far target up yeah. the where. So I was spotting I, for you on this. Yeah, and that that one, like I was solid on that because that was a pretty sturdy barricade, and I was I was confident on all my shots. Like I don't think I dropped any other shots except the ones shooting at the wrong target. <laughs> and, um. Yeah, sort of when you're watching a trace and then it's landing a mill short, I'm going, something, something's not right here. Like, I swear I've, swear I've, you know, got the right distance and that on my dope card and then, yeah, sort of looked at the number next to the target and I'm going, oh, that's the wrong one. So that turned into a bit of a panic as well. <laughs> yeah. And then I think it was the dash it. I was shooting at the wrong gong. I think I wasted a couple of shots shooting at the wrong gong on that and then same thing realised. So few very silly mistakes that cost me pretty heavily but I mean it's it's pretty easy to get to the end of a match and say oh if I didn't 
mess up or miss any targets, I would have won because, I mean, then everyone would win. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, as far as the shoot- shooting side of thing, I was pretty happy with how I shot, so. Yeah, that was my question was going to be, so how do you think you, in terms of your expectations or how you normally would feel you'd gone, how do you feel you'd gone overall? Were you happy uh, with I feel your like- performance per se? I feel Considering like eighty percent. Yeah, I feel like eighty percent of the stage. If I was to go back and reshoot them immediately, I'd probably end up with very similar scores. It was just the you know handfuls where yeah. I made silly mistakes that I would expect to do better. But yeah, I, it would be interesting too if I could go back and shoot that exact same course with the Desert Tech, something a bit more familiar with running, and see if it would improve or degrade. Mm. <laughs> so I, I like to think it would be improved just with the offhand stage. Yeah, line. borrowed guns always going to be. A bit different, so yeah. So okay, we, we, if if you were to come over again, or, or say let's say you were coming over three four times a year, you got us to buy you a rifle, you know, to leave over here. Obviously, all legitimate and legal for the police that are listening. Um, what would you use? Would you run a Desert Tech? Would you run a Tika or custom gun like four field style? If I was yeah, if 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 I could do that style of match all the time, I'd. I'd like to stick with the Desert Techs just because I know them and I know they're very well-rounded for yeah. you know, your offhand and your more awkward positioning. Mm-hmm. And same thing, just because I'm familiar with them. Yeah. Um, and they're great. And, and and because you're not so reliant on tripod rear, so tripod rear is a I'm bit harder to, to set up. <laughs> um, yeah, tripod rear is a bit harder to run with the bull pups when you still got to rack the bolt like it's not so bad for one shot you've got to be very particular on your positioning which I mean again like I've shot one PRS match so that's it's not a huge factor for me but if you were going to be trying to compete competitively it might be something you'd want to consider I, but because yeah. tripod rear is not so relied upon over there it's um, yeah, sort of not as much of an issue I've, I've never seen no. so tri- so much tripod rear as I did at Buckham yeah, that was sort was, of mind-boggling. It was out it was, the uh, gate. It was everywhere. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, uh, as I said to Simon at the end of the match, like, PRS is kind of at the point where it's it's getting to the extremes of the sport. Like, it's it's F1 shooting, um, or, you know, it's, it's on the level of Formula 1. So, it's everything's taken to the extreme. Like, the targets are tiny. The rifle builds are so specific to PRS. It's kind of... It, it, it's interesting to watch, but for me personally, it's probably getting too extreme. Like I, I couldn't see myself anytime soon anyway going and following the series, but to go and see one and see the techniques using that, it's really impressive. So, um, yeah, I, I guess your rifle choice would be factored in a lot for that, whereas for a practical rifle match, like there's a lot of disadvantages for running too heavier of a rifle or having too much forward balance or there's a bit more con- to consider with your weight savings and where it's located. Would you, uh, and not just because you think they're cool, would you run a suppressor if you were shooting over here regularly? I, if if I wanted to be competitive, I wouldn't. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, even just the length alone, it's um just makes it a bit more awkward in a barricade. But, yeah, I, I wasn't going to say no. It's, it's such a luxury to us. <laughs> They're quite good on the on on the desert techs on the SRSs because because yeah, you've got that short length. Yeah, like Carl's set up with his uh, oh, similar barrel to you, I guess, the three hundred eight barrel. The the, yep. the 
his suppressor, his BNT suppressor, sits just in front of the handguard. First of all, it looks cool as heck, um, but it works out quite you guys, well. Are you allowed to run the covert barrels and handguards over there, or uh, do you have like a rifle length limit? Or I think the covert comes under. We're, we have to be seven hundred and sixty-two millimeters from lowest collapse point of the buttstock to the r- yeah. rifles at uh, the end of the muzzles rifling. Yeah. yeah, okay, because for us in Victoria, I'm not sure about other states, off the top of my head, I think it's 750 millimetres, mm. but I don't know okay. if that's with accessories on, like, you know, obviously a brake or... And I it don't know be. if they have to be pinned. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're not allowed to pin anything. No. Yeah, okay. It yeah. Does doesn't count. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. That's interesting. Yeah. No. And actually, yeah, I guess like, the other thing I did... I did sorry. The suppressor, I was happy with that. It's a heavy suppressor. I didn't run a break all weekend. It was good. I could spot spot shots easy enough, even the, though it was yeah. not, the, you're not running a break. So. The B&Ts are pretty good suppressors. I quite like the B&T suppressors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, coincidentally, yeah. I'm sponsored by B&T for my suppressors, but anyhow... <laughs> <laughs> Man, we're shills in this Disclaimer. episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm not paid to say that, but I don't pay for the suppressors. Um, no, but they... <laughs> B&T, yeah. why pay full price? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, um, not, that's not a catch line. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> that's warehouse stationery, which was the bag I was carrying around with all my junk in it. The bag full of bags that you did not use. The bag full of bags, the bag of bags, which I never used. Yeah. <sighs> Anyway, hey, listen, we'll probably wrap it up there because we're at about um, yep. an hour and a half or something. Thanks, Stuart, for coming on. Um, thanks for coming over to New Zealand. That was um, we had a good time that week. You were here, bunch of bunch of hunting and other stuff went on, which we'll we'll touch on when we talk to your brother. Um, probably next week or something along those lines. We'll make that happen. But um, you're, you're more than welcome to come back um, if you ever want to shoot another match or shoot some pigs or, or possums or goats or something. Um, no, for sure. We'll, we'll definitely be back. I was, um, I was actually looking through some of the posts earlier and I was trying to pick out if for the next trip what I want to go and do. And I reckon the Surplus Steel 2025, I think that'll be a very high candidate because I don't think I'll be able to squeeze in next year's one. But <laughs> Throw- you know, the photos I've seen about that look awesome. I'd, I'd yeah. definitely love to come and check that out. Yeah. So. There's a good one, uh, Desert Jewel in March, which is like um, sort of you don't have to be Magnums, but Magnums if you want. Um, Punisher. Yep. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Desert Jewel's dead. Punisher. Teams match. <laughs> doesn't exist. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, that's a cool one. Out to about fourteen, fifteen hundred meters. Find range and engage sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Perf- uh, perfect for twenty twenty five. Twenty twenty five. Our first Australian. <laughs> Cool. Tickets oh, selling my. now. Oh, no, they're not. No, there's still tickets, <laughs> but there is still tickets available for 2024 because we essentially made it open to as many people as we come. So, yeah. Um, whoever wants to turn up. Yeah. No, no, no. Not whoever wants to turn up. Whoever buys a ticket. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was meaning. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hey, listen, we're again, wrap it up there. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Mark, for right. uh, for your uh, humour. And um, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk to you all soon. <laughs> Thanks for not right. editing me out. Bye. <laughs> Says.